We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. You guys can follow me on the tweet machine, at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I am still verified. Shout out to Elon Musk, man. He ain't make me pay yet. Um, shout out to our YouTube subscribers as well. Seahawks Man-to-Man is the number two man on YouTube. Appreciate all the love and support. Uh, there, Chris, talk to him. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's CK206. All right. It's our midweek episode. Bonus football, baby. Going to the playoffs. Um, shout out to the Seahawks. Keeping the Seahawks man-to-man podcast alive on a weekly basis, at least for one more week. Um, we're going to preview Seahawks 49ers with the homie Matt Barrows. Uh, covers the 49ers for The Athletic. Extending his streak, I believe, over Jordan. Um, Rodrigue. Sorry, Jordan. I think Matt's passing you uh, this week. Uh, but before we do that, and talk about the matchup well, from Matt's view, because Matt always gives us good insight from the 49ers perspective, what they're good at, what their weaknesses are, if there's any shot. Um, Chris, I feel like people want us to want us to know or want to know from us. Do the Seahawks have a chance? Um, and I, they do. They, they have a, a, a shot. Uh, they're damn near double digit underdogs. I think the line has since moved uh, since uh, yesterday. So it, it's a long shot. Uh, but. A shot, nonetheless. Um, Chris, can I get a rant off really quick? Real quick. Like Absolutely. Two minutes. Not even that long. PSA, public service announcement. It's not hard to beat a team three times. Right? Like, it's 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 not. It's just hard to beat a team. The number of times it doesn't – like, it's hard to beat a team once. It's hard to beat a team twice. 
it's hard to beat a team three times. It's hard to beat a team four times. Like there's nothing magical about beating a team uh, three times in a, in a season. Uh, there's just that part of it. Cause it's football. It's just hard to beat a team. Other part. It's not that hard to beat a team three times. If you've already beaten them twice, because ultimately then you are just beating them that one singular time. The outcomes of the previous games do not have any bearing. You don't, your team doesn't get worse at blocking because you did it twice, you know, because you beat them twice already. There's nothing inherent about the outcome of the other game impacting the third matchup. There just is not. There's, there's, there's zero. Um, the, the example that I like to give to people, because I keep hearing this cliche, it's hard to beat a team three times. Nick Bosa said it. Uh, DK Metcalf said it. You know, people say it everywhere. It's not, folks. Don't do it. Here's the easiest example. Because as a gambler, I know these things. Uh, as a retired gambler, I should say. Sorry. Uh, a retired gambler, I know these things. And if you guys have gambled, you played Baccarat, uh, any of the Asian casinos, you didn't play uh, roulette. It's a good one. Or, you know, you flipped a freaking coin and bet on the result of it. You know that whatever happens on the previous turn or spins, if you're playing roulette, has no impact. Uh, Chris, you, uh, have, you, have you bet roulette before? No, nope. you're not a gambler. Okay, you're not a gambler. But you play, you've seen roulette. You know how it works. Yeah. Yeah. You pick black, pick, pick red, pick a number, whatever. If you bet black and he spins that joint and it's red, there is nothing about the fact that it was just red that has any impact on when he spins that shit again that it's going to be red or black. It's just red or black again. That's it. There's nothing about the previous spin that does that. Uh, same thing with flipping a coin. You flip a coin twice, it's heads twice. There's nothing in the world about those two outcomes that influences whether that shit is going to be heads or tails again. Uh, so just keep that in mind, folks. Be the person at work when you're arguing about the game. When somebody says, ah, man, nah, it is hard to beat a team three times, jump in and say, no, Andrew. No, it's not. I just made up a coworker. But say, just no, Andrew. Say it's not. <laughs> and, and, and give the examples that Mike gave you. And it'll help. It'll help you out. I just had to get that off. Hopefully that was under two minutes. Yes, that it was. Yeah, it was. Okay. You're fine. I'm you're good. Retired gambler in me just had to. Had to, had I know to you're. I know you're big on movie clips, so I'm gonna steal some of your sunshine here. And Doctor Strange had a great line that ties into I think all the scenarios in which the Seahawks can win this game, right? Doctor Strange in Infinity War. He says that he's gone forward into time to view all the alternate futures to see all the possible outcomes of defeating the great man Thanos. Star-Lord asked him, how many did you see? Of course, Dr. Strange is like, my man, I saw 14,605. How many did you win? One. <laughs> In this scenario, the Seahawks might be the, the Avengers, you know, going up against Thanos. Here's their one shot. Now, I haven't seen, I guess I have seen two other games. <laughs> Boy, did it not look good. But this is a brand new game. All those other things that have happened in those futures, doesn't matter. On Saturday, they got to step up to the plate. It's a new game. What happened in week two doesn't matter. What happened in week, when they played the game, was it 13 or something? 15. 15? Hearsay. Got to win on Saturday. And then you can go back and say, hey, we were one and two against the Niners. Cool. You got the biggest win It. Kept you going in the postseason for a chance to win the Super Bowl. That's how the, that's how they're looking at it. The the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that the 49ers have perhaps the most stacked roster uh in the playoffs. And I don't even just mean the NFC. Like you just look at their roster, it's just loaded with guys. Um 
Bosa's an all pro guy. Kittle's an all pro guy. Maybe not all this year, but you guys get what I'm saying. Bosa's been all pro. Kittle's been all pro. Debo's been all pro. McCaffrey's been all pro. Trent Williams has been all pro. Fred Warner's been all pro. Like, that's just a lot of guys who not only just, at least I think all those guys have been all pro. Let me check on Trent Williams real fast. Um, but you guys get what I'm saying. I think everyone I have mentioned has been all pro. I'm double checking on Trent. Uh, yes, he was last year. Um, so yeah, everyone I just named been an all pro guy. Pro Bowl is different than all pro, right? That means these guys are the top of the top, top of the top of the top, you know, the top fight security of the world, Craig. So um, they are a very scary team. But I think that what's important in this matchup is not necessarily depth, is not necessarily like who establishes the run, who overcomes the weather, all these other things that do matter. But I really think from the Seahawks perspective, you ask me, do they have a shot? I say, yes, if, pause for dramatic effect, they really need their stars to show up because when I look at the Seahawks roster, they got dudes. Like there was a point in the year where I thought the Seahawks would have like six pro bowlers. Um, I think they ended up, they ended up with four. four. You were close. I mean, is it Quandre, Tariq, Jason Myers, and Gino? Yeah. So had four, um, which is still a lot. And again, I know pro, pro bowl and all pro not the same, but like that's still, you have stars, right? You don't have maybe superstar like talent, but you have stars. You got offensive rookie of the year candidate who had 1,200 yards from scrimmage, nine touchdowns, led all rookies. You got two 1,000-yard receivers. You got uh, a quarterback in Gina who was a top 10 guy this year. I think he threw for like 30 touchdowns, something like that. Like you have guy even on defense. Quandre has been a pro bowler three times. You know, Tariq, even though he's a rookie, he's essentially, for all intents and purposes, for this matchup, he's a star. Right, he's one of their star players. You know, when they when the other team practices during the week, they put a probably put a yellow jersey or whatever their practice squad or whatever their you know scout jerseys are. They probably put one that says twenty seven on it, right, to make sure they know where twenty seven is at all times how to attack him. You know, so they don't have as many as the Niners, but they have them, and I think that's the key. And I wrote about that a little bit this week. I think that story will come out by the time this this podcast is out. But I do think that's really important. Like, it's not even necessarily about the X's and O's and how you stop this guy or how you stop this guy or stop the run or get at Brock Purdy. All those things matter. We'll talk about those with Matt, too. But from the Seahawks' perspective, it's have your guys show up, like really ball out. Like, you look at the last time they won a playoff game, what happened? Their superstar was the best player on the field, and it was DK. He had like 160 yards, 750, something. He broke the rookie record, I'm pretty sure, for receiving yards in a playoff game. Like, that is what you need. You need that. Maybe don't got to break the record, but DK, I think in the two matchups against San Francisco has like 90 yards. Yeah, not you good have, enough. He needs to be way better. That's not enough. Ken Walker, his debut in the in the in regular season was week two game. So I don't really really count that. But the second game, he he had played a lot. I think he only had like 40-something yards, 45, 47, something like that. So that's not good enough either. The Seahawks have rushed for one. They haven't rushed for a touchdown on these guys. Like, Geno's only throwing one touchdown. You know, I don't think Geno's throwing for 300 yards. Like, their stars got to show up. The depth does matter at the end, right? Like, if Damian Lewis getting his ass kicked all game, then obviously that's a problem, right? Like, that's going to matter. Like, every, all 11 have to perform. That's not really what I'm saying. But the reason that the Niners seem so scary is because they they are – they're front-loaded in that way. Like, they have they have some good non-star pieces, too, like Javarius Ward, Drake Greenlaw, you know, um, Chris's man, Hafunga. Um, they got some guys, although Hafunga should probably be all pro. That dude is, yeah, he's bad. really good. That's a, that's a bad boy. Um, but he probably not going to be all pro. Um, so my point is that is what, if you're wondering how the Seahawks can get this done, 
beyond maybe getting some bounces to go their way, like we talked about in the last podcast, I really do think everything is on the stars. Like this is why, this is why you pay guys in the NFL. Like legitimately, this is this is why you decide, hey, we're going to instead of just drafting another receiver in the second round or first round, we're going to give Tyler Lockett 17 million dollars a year, because this is why the difference that guy can make in a big moment against a great team. Same thing with DK. DK makes 24 million dollars a year. Um, and just how people are critical of Jamal fairly um, for performance relative to money uh, being dealt. That's all fair. Same thing with DK. I think that all applies. You you make that bread. This is when we want to see you show up. So, Gino's not really making that same bread, but you always put the pressure on the quarterback. Um, in that regard, you want your quarterback to show up. Just like Niners fans will be pissed if Brock Purdy doesn't show up. So that you don't really need a star there um, for to demand that they show up. Um, but yeah, defense too. Like uh, you look at some of the Quandre has dropped a pick in each of the last two games against the Niners. Now the first one that wasn't that consequential. I think it was fourth and nine from the 39, I think. And he dropped it in the end zone. So he actually would have cost his team yards by catching it. But that second one, you remember it, Chris, hit him right in the chest. Yeah, that changed the game. <laughs> and I went back and reviewed that sequence because I had forgot how consequential that could have been. If he catches that and just runs, he maybe falls down to like the, the San Francisco 45 with about a minute something left, minute 50. Instead, the Niners punt. A few plays later, Travis Homer fumbles. And they return that ball all the way back to the six. Travis, uh, Christian McCaffrey scores instead of it. You know, the Seahawks potentially taking the lead going into halftime. They were down fourteen to three. Changed the whole tenor of the game. You know, so um, and obviously Travis Homer holding onto the ball is not Quandre's fault. But you guys get what I'm saying. It's it's a, it's the difference between like a a star player making a near interception, which Tariq's had a few of, Quandre's had a few of. This game, catch those joints. Like DK's yeah. had some drops. Um, in the uh, in some big moments, catch them joints. You know, DK uh, Geno's had a ball that's like maybe a little too low, maybe a little too high. Nah, nah, put that on his chest, put that on his numbers. Like this, expect excellence from your star player. Even Chenna, you know, Chenna Nuosu, Chenna the nine nine and a half sacks. He's been trying to make a name for himself this year. You know, this is one of them games that if you want to see the Seahawks win, this one got to be one of them ones. Chris, you remember Jadavian Clowney just took over that game against the Niners two thousand nineteen. Career day for him. Yeah, a Monday night football where it was very clear, like, number 90 is a bad boy and there ain't shit the other team could do with him. Yeah, get that from number 10 or, or, or DT, 52. Either one, doesn't really matter. Both if you can, but that's just unrealistic. Like, that's I think that's what has to happen. Um, however it needs to happen. I don't care with, within the scheme, act out of the scheme, give a damn. That's That's really where the playoffs, I think, like, really separates guys like when you decide like to get rid of a dude or pay a dude i think playoff performance can really matter there because you're going best on best you're usually not just beat beating up on some third string right tackle because the other guys rolled his ankle the week before nah guys got their best guys out there they've got their best game plans just dealing with some of the best coaches usually so you want your stars to show up and you notice i'm naming everybody on the seahawks who got a bag you know chenna didn't get a huge bag but you know he got a little bag he was the biggest free agent signing all right, this is what you signed him for. Quandre got the bag. Good for him. Great for him. It's time. Tyler got the bag. DK got the bag. Jamal can't play, so you don't count him. Everybody else, and I'm only counting Tariq because I know he expects that of himself to play like a star. So, yeah, I think that's – if you ask yourself or you ask us, all right, okay, Mike, Chris, how can we win? Do we got a shot? That's how. 
And I don't think that's unrealistic that it can happen. You look, I w- went back and rewatched those games. There were a lot of plays where if the if the best players on the team would have played a little better, they would have they would have easily put up some points. That had some fluky stuff happen. Tyler dropped a punt, but that also goes into or he didn't drop a punt. I think he got blocked in someone got blocked into him on his own team. And he yep. you know, like a fair catch. Yeah, it's a little, a little fluky. But um and they also had the play where DJ Dallas threw an interception. So, so, so some fluky stuff in there. But like you just need your guys to dominate. You need your stars to, to show up. Now, I mean, if like no, a fan has 150 yards receiving or something like that, that's great. But I'm not like asking that of him for the upset. Like I'm asking the other guys who who are like that's what you're that's what you here for. You're here to be a leader and you're here to kick the other team's ass when they have good players too. Um so and that's I, what it is. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's what you need on Saturday, man, because the Niners. The Niners have their roster is so goddamn stacked. It don't make sense how good it, them and the Eagles have just stacked. Look at the Eagles defense when you guys get a chance. That front line has like 17 dudes with 10 sacks on it. That's absurd how good their corners are nasty. Oh, oh, it's crazy. The Eagles and Niners stacked. The way to beat those guys is to have your dudes who are ballers show up too. You know, that's you know it. What? They also what happens is when your when your superstars show up or in your case stars. So when Quandre Diggs shows up, when Tariq shows up, when Abe Lucas shows up, when Kenneth Walker shows up, that elevates everyone else's game. So guys yeah. like maybe Puna Ford, you haven't heard his name in a while. Maybe he steps up and makes a big play. Maybe Daryl Taylor, he has a strip sack. Everyone elevates their game when they see their stars going out there and dominating. Maybe Derek Young flashes a touchdown here and there. Everyone has that confidence when they see DK out there doing this thing, when they see Lockett out there doing this thing, especially with everything on the line. Damn, actually, your season on the line. Yeah, it just amps that up. So with that being said, to your point, your stars got to play well. It's unfortunate that Jordan Brooks is out because I think that would definitely help elevate Cody Barton's game. But now Cody is a part of that unit where – he has to just step up and be that star on on Saturday. And everything that he's learned from week one up until this point has led him to be a leader on this defense, which is I'm sure he's what he wanted. So now he has an opportunity to go out there against this Niners defense. He knows what the Niners want to do. The Niners know what they want to do. Who executes better? That's really also what it comes down to. Who actually executes? Who actually does their job? That's what it's going to be. Do your job. Superstars, stars, come out and play. Do your thing. And I think maybe the Seahawks can definitely come out with a victory and be moving and on, moving on, which would be quite the journey for sure. Yeah, no, I would. Yeah, and when stars play like stars, it just increases the margins, the margin for error. Like you know, the, it's there's only so many swing plays in a, in a playoff game. Special teams plays, third down catches, anything in the red zone. Like this, there's no room for drop passes. There's no room for badly thrown balls there's no room for taking the you know blocking the wrong direction on a on a zone run it's none of that shit all of that there's no room for a bad rep on third down from your tackles like you you have there's star power on the seahawks it's star potential if nothing else show up that's it. not to say they won't i'm just saying like if you're asking what's the formula that is it i think um it's 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 your stars to play like stars this is what you this is why you pay those guys you know this is this is it because they make the difference They're, the, you know, because DK Metcalf is 20, he's $22 million better than if you were to just draft a rookie, you know, in the first round or whatever, in theory, like that's, that's the math you, 
you do want that when you give those guys. So yeah, this is it. That's that's what I'm gonna be watching if you ask me. You know, on Saturday, I'm I'm gonna be locked in, belly full, because the Niners usually have some decent food, not great, uh, at Levi Stadium. So yeah, full belly, coffee in hand, popcorn too, because they have a popcorn machine in there, and I'm gonna be watching all the stars on the Seahawks to see if they if they show up on Saturday. Elevate. Well, you know what? Our next guest might be able to tell us who some of the superstars on that Niners defense are, especially if you're unfamiliar, if you're first-time listening or watching the show. We're going to have on Matt Barrows. He's going to break down everything from can the Seahawks put some points up on these dudes. We saw what the Oakland Raiders did to them in Week 17 where they put up 34 Vegas. points. Vegas. God, you know I'm what? Just, I'm, haven't just, got I'm just going to say Raiders, and you know yeah, who I'm talking about. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Just say Raiders. Everyone knows football. You know I'm talking about Las Vegas, not Oakland. My apologies. So maybe the Seahawks can find an identity there where they can attack this Niners defense and be successful with the stars that they got. Mike, anything else you want to add before we toss it over to Matt? No, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get him in here. Let's do it. Joining us to dive in to this matchup a little bit more from more of an expert view, because, you know, Chris and I are watching the Niners from afar. Uh, we have the homie Matt Barrows covers the Niners for the Athletic. Matt, greetings, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing okay. Yeah. No complaints? Yeah. Well, you know. I, well, I got a complaint. Since, uh oh. Since we're going to the Bay Area for a playoff game in January. It's supposed to be, from a weather perspective, above going to Minnesota or New York or Philadelphia at this time of year. And instead, it sounds like. I'm flying into a storm, man. What's up with that? Well, I'm blaming you guys. You guys are bringing the Seattle-like weather down here. I mean, it's like uh, they're preparing for Pete Carroll's arrival by bringing in some rain and some storms here. Um, we we need the rain. We're in a bad drought, long, you know, multi-year drought cycle. But, boy, we don't need it all at once, and that's what it uh, seems to be happening here. I will say um, – you know, uh, I was telling Chris this before uh, we started that this area doesn't get quite as much rain as other parts of the state. It's in a bit of a, a rain shadow. So um, San Jose, where I think you'll be flying in and uh, Levi Stadium, it, it's been wet. It gotten a lot of rain, but it's not quite the deluge that some of these other uh, spots have gotten. Yeah, I'm not. I was reading your uh, story the other day and I was down in the bottom where you had your little notes. You mentioned the weather, like 95% chance of rain. I said, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, hold on. That's happening. I, I, like, wait, 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 wait. A little typo slap, slip by the editor. Oh, let me Google it. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. He's right. It's going to be dumping. Oh, man. That's that's uh, that's unfortunate, man. They're going to get some real old school establish the run football on, on Saturday. Yes. Yes, we are. All right. Let's, well, uh, I mean, I, I will tell you that that's the, that's the one thing that has 49ers fans all hot and bothered this week because they think that all this rain. First of all, California is not used to rain. It rains and people slow down to 35 miles an hour on <laughs> the highway. Um, and uh, people think that that's going to be a, an equalizer. It's going to kind of tighten everything together. They think that the 49ers are uh, by far the more talented team, but there's a worry that, boy, look at look at Lucky P. Carroll. He's getting a rain game. going to come down to a freak fumble. That, um, this is a, 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 a fan group that watched the 49ers in, in their opener. They played a really wet game at Soldier Field. Like, right. It was a swamp. 
Um, it was like a second lake over there. And uh, they lost that game. Debo Samuel lost a fumble. There were a couple of free plays that the Bears got in the second half. And uh, uh, that was one of their, their four losses this year against what turned out to be a really bad Bears game. So all of that is sort of in people's minds as they're uh, getting ready for this game on Saturday. Oh, man. Before you t- go ahead and on, on behalf of the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, Matt, let them know they are overthinking this. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that is the case, you know, rain, rain, sleet, or snow, man, it looks like I think uh, Kyle Shanahan could play with Chris at quarterback and find a way <laughs> to run for 200 yards uh, on somebody, man. Not necessarily on the Seahawks, but just on anybody. That 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 dude is a, is a, is a mastermind. I think the Niners fans have that not, not as much to worry about as they think now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, Chris might be taller and have a better arm than the 49ers quarterback. I appreciate it, Matt. No way. You know, I could probably clock in at a, do you know if Purdy's 40 by any chance? Uh, it was, uh, it was good uh, under five for sure. Okay. never mind. I was going to say, I might be able to get Purdy, but if he's running four or five, I I can't get that. I can get maybe four or six, four or five. Yeah. He oh, got no. me. I'm saying it's under five seconds. So I think it's, oh, uh, it's okay. Uh, you know, high fours, uh, we'll call it. Okay, I, you know what? I'm, me if you guys are curious. I might be able to hang with Purdy. You know, if you throw down a race, man, put some money on the – I might be able to get him. <laughs> he so, works on his uh, – they call him Baby Bosa because he works on his quads a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got – he's actually really quick. He's quicker than – we'll call him quicker than fast. Um, okay. But he, he has been able to kind of spin out of uh, tight uh, – tight spaces uh pretty regularly since he became a starter it looks like purdy ran a four eight four. Oh yeah i'm getting him yep easy yeah. No, Both no are. yeah yeah I mike did. has it on tape i did run a four eight five that is really i know it's something that uh the rest of the athletic writers are are very envious about <laughs> uh well, one more thing before we jump in there. i want to actually talk a little bit more about brock purdy but you know what maybe the niners fans i, I remember this once you mentioned the bears game 
maybe they aren't overthinking this that much because now I'm looking at the four games they did lose and they had no business losing three of them. Um, so they lost at the at the Bears week one, 19 to 10 in a monsoon. I remember watching that game. Uh, smoked the Seahawks right after that and then lost to the Broncos on the road in week three, 11 to 10. Uh, I think that was on Sunday Night Football. Um, so, yeah, I remember that game as well. Uh, and then lost at the Falcons 28 to 14. Uh, and then got got their doors blown off by the Chiefs and haven't lost since. So, but other than losing to the Chiefs, that's three non-playoff teams. Um, so yeah, you know what? Never mind, Matt. It, I can see why the Niners fans are like, yeah, we're, we're due to just kind of cough one up, maybe. You know, especially if you factor in some some poor weather into the equation. Well, there's a, a theme there. Um, uh, all of those were pre-CMC. Uh, games. Now, the, the, the Chiefs wasn't, uh, but he, he literally had arrived, uh, you know, 48 hours earlier and didn't play but a handful of snaps in that game. Every game he started has been a win. Um, and, and I don't think that's a, a coincidence because he's uh, those scores that you just uh, uh, ticked off. Those were all very um, modest uh, offensive uh, performances. The defense has played well all season, aside from that Chiefs game. Um, but uh, it was the offense that was just uh, kind of coughing and sputtering, and McCaffrey really kind of added an element, um, and it just he just been the perfect fit for the Kyle Shanahan offense, which hinges on, you know, uh, we're going to run and pass equally well out of the same personnel groups. He's the, the ultimate run-pass guy, uh, a thousand, thousand guy, and he's been, um, he's you know, the expectations were that he was going to be good. He's been better better than expectations and uh, really has kind of been the difference in that offense. Yeah. Pete Carroll has called the uh, Niners two times unprompted. He's called them loaded. Um, and that is, and it, I, when you watch them and you look at their roster, you see why, man, three, four different guys who have gone over a thousand yards receiving, not all in the same season, but guys who have done it, including McCaffrey, like f- five or six different all pros total on both sides of the ball. It's just, it's insane the collection of talent that they have and not even just, I know in the years past, John Snyder and Pete Carroll have kind of lamented like, Oh yeah, you know, we haven't really drafted that high. Everyone else in the division has had a top 10 pick, you know, since we've had Russ. No, man, you look at some of their picks that the Niners have, they've got all pro guys like Kittle in the fifth round and Debo in the second, I think it just, just isn't everybody ain't Bosa, you know, Fred Warner wasn't a top 10 pick. They just drafted so goddamn well, man, this is, how is this probably, is this the most loaded version of the Niners you've covered you think yeah i think offense and defense i mean back in the day when they were playing the the Seahawks in those uh, epic battles i think that the defense might uh, might have been a little bit better you know patrick willis navarro Bowen, justin smith alden smith mm-hmm. um but uh i remember you know 2011 2012 there were still some issues on offense um and this, this offense as you said has you know i mentioned the you know mccaffrey's ability to to run with the ball and, and to um uh run pass patterns well they got debo samuel to do that too george kittle's excellent after the catch kittle has really kind of heated up uh with purdy i mean he's got uh, i think he's caught two touchdowns in in three of the last four outings uh Oof. including that uh that game in uh in seattle in december so um he's heated up quite a bit i mean his big critique uh, over the years has been yeah he's great at all these at you know facets of the game just doesn't catch a lot of touchdowns well 
he has 11 this year and only um, only Travis Kelsey with 12 had more. Oh man, just a yeah, Chris. We're this is a juggernaut. No, this is really this is juggernaut for real. And it's and that segues into the quarterback. You know, they're undefeated with Brock Purdy, also undefeated with Christian McCaffrey, like like you've mentioned. Um, so this gives an opportunity to ask a question we have quite literally never asked on the podcast before. I love doing that. Matt Barrows, sir, is Brock Purdy good? Brock Purdy is good. I mean, we've been bending over backward to um, to find a, a flaw in his game because, you know, he's the, the last pick in the draft. I mean, how, how good can this guy be? There's got to be something uh, that he's, he struggles at. But uh, he's been good. I mean, the scouting report will tell you that the, the deep ball has been an issue. And that has kind of crept, crept up from time to time. You guys were mentioning the, uh, the Las Vegas game a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was, uh, where he faltered a little bit, left, left a couple of throws too short, uh, one of which was picked off, but boy, I mean, you have to kind of really search for mistakes from him, um, because he's been sharp and even the timing has been good. I mentioned his ability to kind of get, get out of, uh, pressure and pick up yards with his feet. That's been good. Um, the accuracy has been excellent. The leadership has been excellent. Um, you know, I, I keep joking that, uh, the only thing he needs to work on in the off season is he needs to grow three more inches because he gets uh, a lot of balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. But, um, I mean, other than that, it's been, it's been very good. And I think he realizes, um, just the responsibility that he has, as you said, you know, the team is loaded. The, the one sort of, um, shortcoming is, is the, the QB position you would think. Uh, but but he realizes um, you know that this team has Super Bowl aspirations and he's kind of prepared himself accordingly. He hasn't been overwhelmed by it, but he's been very kind of humble this whole time. And I think that's what's kind of keeping him sharp uh, week in and week out. We forgot to mention this, and we're going to jump to it right now. We can't let you off the hook. You got to make a prediction here. Oh, who's going to get the I win? Did, I did that. I'm sorry. It's all good. So with that being said, you're two and zero. All right, you picked the Niners to win, and well, actually, one and zero because you only had you on the first week, first time they had a, the second week of the season that is, and you picked the Niners to win in fashion, and boy, did they! But now here we are at the end of the season, Super Wild Card matchup. Who do you have getting the W? Give us a score. Um, I hate to disappoint your listeners, but I do have the 49ers winning this game. Uh, but I do think that you know the the weather is going to be a factor. I mean, it it uh, it, it usually is this type of year. It's why playoff football is uh, typically really good because it sort of uh, evens things out a bit. But um, you know, as we keep talking about, there's just a real kind of uh, talent disparity here, and I, I think that the Seahawks, you know, in in week two they had that uh, that blocked uh, field goal that they returned for a touchdown. Um, they could get a fumble here and there. They could keep it tight early on. But I think over time, the talent disparity kind of uh, takes hold and the 49ers win. I'm going to go uh, – this is good because I have to do this with uh, my partner, David Lombardi, too, and haven't really thought about a score. But I'm going to go – I think it will be some sort of ugly score, ugly game, ugly score. I'm going to go 25-16 49ers. Oh, so I don't, right know how, I don't know how they get to 25, but that's, <laughs> that's what they get. Niners are favored by nine and a half points. You are right there, Barrows. That's close. 
Oh, oh that's the right line. Wow, is, that is yeah. that's right there. That's the Seahawks. Bear. Oh, there's some people sweating <laughs> it out in Vegas. If uh, <laughs> if that what is are you? And that's you taking the what's twenty five plus sixteen? What is that? Thirty five, forty one. Yeah. For yeah, eh, eh? sounds wow. like forty one. Yeah. Sure, what's, I'm gonna trust. What, you. what is the uh, the line there? The over under is forty two and a half. So Bear oh, is right wow. on it. It's right See? on Vegas. It's You're Vegas. Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah you, do, you don't mess with Vegas, man. Uh, I like I like that pick. What you got, Chris? Oh, this is tough. I've been riding with the ship the whole season, and to go against the Seahawks feels like a discredit to this team, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> with all that being said, I'm going to take the Niners as well. It's, it's probably going to be a clean sweep. I don't think Mike's going to be like, hey, guys, I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks here, but he could shock us all. I'll take the Niners winning. I'm going to say 24 24 to 13. Hmm. All right. Yeah, you're right. I got a clean sweep, too. Um, <laughs> no, nah, because I just watched the Niners on film, man. It is just it is just crazy how how little the quarterback has to do, mm. which, you know, it just it doesn't have to do much. You just get the ball to 11 or whatever Brandon Ayuk is, you know, get the ball to 85, get the ball to 23, and then just don't fuck up. I mean, really, that's it. Like, you do those three or four things beat a blitz every once in a while on third down and you'll score 30, you know, that's, you know, as, as Matt knows, that's what's been happening. I'll go like 19, 14. I've been just predicting ugly score. I'm gonna predict the ugly score too. Like I'm gonna follow, follow Matt's lead uh, on that. I'm taking the under. I do like to see, I think we all like the Seahawks to cover. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We like that it. works. We did. We got something right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We, we shall, we shall see. Uh, all right, I went to go over. Yes, I'm, I skipped straight to Purdy. My bad. All good. I'll go back to Purdy here. And you mentioned some of his weaknesses, which throwing the ball deep, and that might be something the Seahawks can attack. Is there any other elements of his game where you're thinking, ah, the Seahawks might have success and making it difficult for him to just find certain numbers and attack the Seahawks defense and be successful? I mean, I think it's just a matter of making him uncomfortable. Um, you know, the, the, the 49ers offensive line actually has has gotten better this year at, at pass blocking, but uh, you know, there, there's a rookie at, uh, at right guard, uh, second year player at left guard, first time um, starter at center. Um, you know, this group has gotten a lot better uh, week in and week out. So they're better now than they were in week two. But I mean, that's a, that's a potential um, advantage there. I think in that, um, in that game in Seattle, a few weeks ago, I don't know if Al Woods played. I think that they had uh, an injury to another interior defensive lineman really early in that game, and I thought that that really helped. That really hurt Seattle from the get-go. It just uh, allowed the 49ers to kind of run fairly easily in that game, and and that's what you know that's what sets uh, Brock Purdy up. All, all that play action stuff. Uh, I thought that the Seahawks really went after McCaffrey hook, line, and sinker. Um, you know, to the point where they were going wherever he went, and that opened up big swaths of the field for other players like George Kittle. So, I mean, these are things that uh, you would think that Pete Carroll would really kind of tee off on. Don't, don't uh, be fooled by McCaffrey. Don't uh, allow him to be a, a decoy like he's been. Uh, so, I mean, that that's sort of been the the theme of the 49ers this week. Kyle Shanahan, when asked about, you know, that that third opponent so hard to beat a team three times in a season. He says that, you know, by the, by the third game, um, you know, each team knows all, all the other team's magic tricks and, uh, and they just, uh, 
they just play uh, play each other tighter than uh, they would have in the, in the previous two. So that's what uh, that's what I'm anticipating. Um, turnovers are going to be huge, especially in the rain. Um, the 49ers have been really good on that, but I mean, they, they also seem overdue for one. Uh, they haven't had a fumble in a long time, for example. So, um, you know, that's how that's that that's the uh, the pathway I see to a uh, a Seahawks upset. Ooh, look at that! I don't believe Kyle Shanahan's quote unquote. They've seen our offense and what we do on defense. We're not going to do any trick plays offensively. Man, they ran a screen to the left, faked it, faked the screen to McCaffrey, and then threw a touchdown to Kittle. So anything's possible with this man. Kyle Shanahan's a wizard. He's probably just doing the, I would say, the sweet talk, going out there and just being a respectable, humble coach, not saying I got tricks up my sleeve. Obviously, I think he might have something that the Seahawks haven't seen before, and I would not be surprised. Now, Mike loves giving you guys opportunities to be defensive coordinators. I too will give you an opportunity right here as well, Matt. If in this scenario, you're the defensive coordinator, how do you attack this young quarterback? Even though to your point, he has done everything they've asked of him. He hasn't really shown too many mishaps, but if you were D coordinator and you're going up against Brock Purdy in this 49ers offense, what are you looking to attack? Cause I saw the Cardinals blitz quite a bit. Wasn't too successful. So what do you have for us there? Yeah, I wouldn't blitz. I would. I would just stuff that box with uh, with defenders. I, I I would um, you know, something that the Rams did last year, and, and I know that the Seahawks play sort of a quasi version of uh, of what the Rams play defensively. Is they they um, they stack the line of scrimmage. I mean, five sometimes six big bodies along that line of scrimmage to kind of take away the outside runs of the 49ers. Um, and so when you do that. You're obviously bringing the safety down and you're, you're forcing these guys to, to beat you over the top. That worked for the Rams last year in the championship game. That was the, that was the third game, the third matchup, um, uh, Rams 49ers matchup of the season. The 49ers won the first two. They lost the, uh, the more important one at the end of the year. Um, you know, at that point, Jimmy Garoppolo was, was hurt. He was dealing with that shoulder injury that would uh, bother him the, the entire offseason. Uh, and, and Brock Purdy, you know, to be, to be honest, teams have been doing that to him. And um, he mostly has taken advantage of that. Um, and, and that's uh, sort of one of the, uh, the, the pleasant surprises that the 49ers have had is that he's hit the deep ball when it's been offered to him. So um, I don't know in the rain, it's going to be windy too. Whether that uh, that uh, sort of uh, is a uh, is a smart move, I, I would think that that's exactly what uh, Pete Carroll does in this game. Pete Carroll and defensive coordinator. There it is. Now, you guys also the Niners also have a really good running game with Christian McCaffrey, and now Elijah Mitchell is back, and he's had success against the Seahawks defense. But now these two guys are going to be on the field at the same time. What kind of nightmare does that present for this Seahawks defense that I think is still Still hasn't found their identity, but is looking to do so against the Niners on Saturday. Yeah, that, that, that sort of was um, a, a theme, too, this week among the 49ers, is that uh, the Seahawks have tried a lot of different things this year, and they're eventually going to settle on some things that they do really well. And, and probably they, they, they've started to do that these last four or five games. Um, I think uh, everybody agrees much better defensively. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a one-two punch and, and Mitchell is uh, really a downhill runner. 
Um, and uh, it's sort of a, a case where uh, McCaffrey plays early on and then Mitchell and some of these other guys come in and are the are the finishers at the end of the game when uh, a defense is getting a little bit tired, this, that, and the other. Um, both of these guys, and in, in, in this is more so for McCaffrey because he came in in week seven and really wasn't used to the precision needed uh, with these outside zone runs. I mean, this is the bread and butter of the Shanahan offense, and uh, it just takes experience. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, certainly now, mid-January, he's way better at it than he was in late October when he first got here. So, you know, that's the uh, that's the key for readers to be able to hit some of those um, big uh, gouging runs that uh, they've been able to hit these last well, that leads me to this next question. Over under combined rushing yards for both of these guys. And I had it at 120 and a half yards. That's because I did some averages. And Mike was like, no, 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 no. We, we got to up that quite a bit. So I put it at 130 and a half yards between McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. Are you going to take the over or the under there? I'm going to take the over because I just think that the Seahawks are going to sell out on stop make, making sure that that's not the way that the 49ers are going to beat us. Um, let's, let's look at the weather. Let's look at the inexperienced quarterback. And, um, if, if we're going to lose this game, let's make the 49ers earn it through the air in a, kind of a messy weather environment. So I'm going to go under on that one. Okay. Go under. All right. Oh, wow. We, we saw how that went last time when they faced Brady, they were like, yeah, Tampa Bay doesn't even run the football. We're going to make them throw it. And then they're like, you know what? We're going to run the football, and the Seahawks were not prepared. So I hope you're wrong, Matt. I hope that the Seahawks do, in fact, slow down Purdy throwing it, and if he runs all over the place, it's not effective. So we'll see how that actually plays out. <laughs> oh, no. Nah, uh, that's a good plan by the Seahawks if they do, because, boy, if you get run all over, man, it's just, just – Yeah, so it, it's not good. <laughs> well, it just, it's just so much – Demoralizing? I used to think that this didn't – matter and to some to some extent i think players are overstating it but and, and matt can attest to this uh, years and years of covering guys they would they don't defensive guys don't want anything bad to happen to them obviously but they would not like to get run on consistently True. like if you if you throw a bomb all right a corner gets cooked safety it looks bad but it's like it does not physically humiliate you in the way that a team running power right up your gut and moving your nose tackle off the ball just just embarrasses the team. And I guess that, that to defensive guys, that's the thing they want to avoid first and foremost. It's a very fascinating mindset. Oh, I, I, I put words in Matt's mouth. Have you, I, that's what I've discovered, Matt, talking to guys. Have you kind of gleaned the same thing, interviewing defensive Well, yeah, guys? I mean, that's just – that's uh, you know, it, it is demoralizing uh, at the end of the game, and you're just not able to stop the opposing team. And that, that's what the 49ers have done is that um, they've, they've gotten these big leads, and, and then they brought in some of their, you know, they call them the closers. Um, Jordan Mason, who's a, a rookie this year, he's 225. They've got Ty Davis Price, third-round pick. He's 225. Uh, like I said, Elijah Mitchell, I don't know what he is these days, probably around 215, but – he runs like he's 230. Um, it, they just, uh, you know, bring in some of these heavier hitters and uh, that demoralization starts to take effect. Let's flip it to the defense. Week 17, Jarrett Stidham. Honestly, didn't even know who that dude was. But he threw for 365 <laughs> yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. And then that was what? 
maybe the second most passing yards outside of Patrick Mahomes, who I think in week seven threw for over 400. What in the hell did the Raiders do offensively against that Niners defense? Perhaps maybe this can give the Seahawks offense some hope for our fans listening that was so successful to allow them to put up 34 points against this Niners D. Yeah, I thought that the, the Niners uh, overcommitted to stopping uh, Josh Jacobs. I thought that they saw a, uh, a guy coming in making his first ever start and spit him and said to themselves, okay, this is what the Raiders are going to do. They're just going to hand the ball off to the NFL's leading running back, um, which they did, but, um, you know, they uh, 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 trying to remember the head coach's uh, first name, um, Josh oh, McDaniel. Josh um, yeah, he, uh, you know, he, he had uh, nothing to lose. So they, they went for broke in that game. Um, they also had Darren Waller back. Um, and, um, you know, he, he had only played a, a few snaps the game before, but this was a, a full game for him. So um, the, the 49ers have been good when they play a team that is one note um, that, you know, might have uh, one really good wide receiver uh, or a really good uh, running game. They're very good at kind of taking away your strength. But when you've got a diversity of talent out there, which is what the Raiders had in that game, um, wide receiver, Devontae Adams, they had a really good uh, tight end and Darren Waller. They had the best running back in the league and, um, and Josh Jacobs. So um, that, uh, that, you know, got the 49ers off kilter. Um, I also think that, you know, they were, you know, that, that was their ninth straight win. They were, they were sort of due for that inevitable letdown. That was the game that they were, you know, feeling it. Uh, and to their credit, they did adjust at halftime and uh, did a lot better. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that just shows you that it's not, um, not a uh, totally, you know, it's not the 85 Bears defense, not the 2000 Ravens defense. It's not what the Seahawks had a decade ago. There are some weaknesses in it. Um, Bosa's great. Armstead's great. Uh, I don't, I don't know about the rest of the defensive line. Um, the secondary doesn't have a lot of speed to it. Very smart guys, good tacklers for the most part. Um, but you know, there are some weaknesses that can be exploited. I don't know if the, if the Seahawks, Seahawks can, uh, with this, uh, with this weather as well. That's why I just think it's going to be a, uh, uh, kind of a messy ground affair. Yeah, the the thing that's scary about the Niners defense, though, like you you mentioned that they they've been able to kick people's ass when you know you kind of make them fight with one hand behind their back when they have like you know one one guy that they got to take away. The Seahawks have a thousand yard rusher in Ken Walker, two one thousand yard receivers in Tyler and DK, and the Niners just take all that away. <laughs> it's just at once. It's it's crazy how unproductive DK has been against the Niners this year. As how how unproductive Ken was in Week 15. Uh, versus how they've been, all of those guys have been in another game. So they're just a scary unit. Um, who they do remind me of, he kind of rattled off some good defenses there uh, in history. The 2013 Seahawks were at a very arrogant defense. Uh, they didn't do disguise much, didn't rotate a bunch. It was just, hey, man, we're about to play a bunch of cover three and kick your ass. God bless. Um, and the Niners remind me of that uh, as well. Uh, with just running to play, where they play quarters, single high, whatever, just like we're just about to run this, rush four and kick your ass. God bless. Um, where did uh, uh, I'm sure you've noticed that as well. Who who is most responsible for that? Is that, is that are they inviting D'Amico Ryan's identity in that regard? Yeah, I mean the guy who's sort of um, the, who's always kind of stirring guys up there, energy guy is Fred Warner. 
Mm. Um, and, um, you know, he's at the center of things. Um, he's the guy before the game that's, that's hyping everybody up. He never shuts off. Um, you know, he's been described, uh, you know, coming out of the draft, uh, very similar to Bobby Wagner. And um, I don't think he makes quite as many big time plays, interceptions, interceptions, return for touchdowns as Wagner has. But he's very much the heart and soul of that defense. So um, he's sort of the, the motor that gets everybody going. Everybody knows about uh, Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead on the on the D line and on the back end, it's really kind of led by um, Jimmy Ward, uh, who's, who's played a lot of nickel this year. And then Charvarius Ward, who had that uh, really nice game. His best game was that um, game against DK in Seattle. Uh, that was sort of his, uh, his coming out party where they just allowed him to follow DK around the field, play that aggressive man style um, he's a, a taller cornerback with long arms, good speed, um, really hasn't gotten the sort of national recognition that I think that he and the 49ers think that he deserves. Didn't make the Pro Bowl this year, but he's their best corner. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, use the same tactic on, on Saturday. Yeah, that, that watching him, honestly, and Emmanuel Mosley, too, before he got hurt, like, Week two, Mosley and week two, uh, Traverius Ward, you would think that like they have a personal vendetta against DK the way they are playing this. No, for real. Like when you watch that, I don't I don't watch those guys enough against other people. So maybe I just have that just, you know, that bias there. When I watch those two against this guy, though, I just it looks like they're just out for blood like D'Amico or Fred or somebody got him, shook him before the game and said, if you let number 14 catch a pass, you're off the team. You know, and they just they just go out for blood, man. Like it's 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 very impressive, and and, and I'm assuming Matt that they don't have Traverius do that consistently every week. That was like a DK thing they had him do. Yeah, it was that was the only week he's done it. In fact, you know, the a couple weeks later they they play the the Raiders, and you know, Devontae Adams had a colossal game, um, and and most of that came against Diamador Lenore, the other cornerback. And so the question was, why didn't you just have? your best cornerback follow their best wide receiver like you did uh, against the, the Seahawks and never really got a great answer for, uh, for that from D'Amico. Um, he just said that that's not the, the style of defense they chose to play for the Raiders game. Uh, so I don't know if, if there's a particular style that they, they seem to like against the, the Seahawks, but um, I'd be surprised if they, they switch it up. I mean, the Seahawks have scored exactly one offensive touchdown in two meetings this year. So uh, that, that, that was another theme this week. I mean, we're not going to change anything up because our, our defense, our blueprint so far has been so solid. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That is uh, another way to say that. I will, before we get you out of here, Matt, I want to plug, uh, plug one of your stories here. Cause I thought it was fantastic. And I was something I want our readers to hear about our listeners to hear about. Um, it's not about the Seahawks, but just in general, I think, I think it's a cool idea. You, um, Kyle Shanahan just gave you access to the locker room at halftime of their December 11th uh, game against the Buccaneers. I mean, you wrote about it. Um, repeat the story uh, as well, guys. The, the headline is uh, inside the 49ers locker room. Excuse me, inside the 49ers halftime locker room. Bananas, bathroom trips and study time for Brock Purdy. Um, it's just so good. It's on the athletic. Great story. But uh, is there anything else maybe that that you want to expand on from the story that that didn't make it just 
what's that experience like of all your years covering the, the, the league as long as you have and being in a locker room at halftime? Maybe some misconceptions that you learned, some myths you busted from being in there. Just, just take us through there, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I found it fascinating. I'm, I'm not just saying that, um, you know, I, I happen. This is my 20th season, so I covered just about everything. And, and one of the things that I, I haven't is, you know, what what happens in the locker room. And, and I knew that it wasn't the, uh, you know, the win one for the Gipper, rah-rah stuff, you know, bang locker rooms and gathering the guys around like uh, like they do in any given Sunday. Uh, but I, I there was more of that than I was expecting. I, I was expecting sort of an antiseptic, um, you know, each um, – position group kind of going off into a corner and sort of quietly going over uh, the feet of the, uh, the plays in the first half, something like that. Um, but it was, it was, it was half classroom and half really a lot of energy. And, and they, they had just really throttled Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And so I think that um, accounted for a lot of the energy that I was just kind of absorbing. I was feeling in there. Um, and then, you know, basically it's divided in, into half, it's basically 10 minutes inside that locker room. The first half is the players get to do whatever they need to do. Um, go to the bathroom, uh, go to their locker, um, you know, uh, unwrap the tape around their wrists and rewrap it. Um, you know, uh, have a power bar, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and bananas were the two main, uh, food groups in, in the locker room at halftime. And then it just, it, it's, it all of a sudden stops and all that kind of frenetic uh, activity stops and they, it turns into a classroom that's separated into offense on one side, defense on the other. And they're just basically going over everything that they want to run in the second half. And it's very kind of quiet, very, very library-like. And then they whip it back up and, uh, you know, meet in the middle and then go back out for halftime. But um, it was, uh, a lot happens in that 10 minutes. And I know it's routine for the players, but uh, it was uh, anything but for, for somebody who's never experienced it. And I, I, what I really liked, and I quote tweeted this when I shared your story is that I want people to read it if for no other reason to stop yelling at us to ask why the team team X doesn't make adjustments at halftime guys, they're in there for 10 fucking minutes. There's so, yeah. so much that guys to do. You got your quarterback probably goes in there and take a shit. All your linemen are retaping their ankles. You got some guys on FaceTime with their mom. Some guys in the back praying. You only, like you said, only going over the scheme for about four or five minutes. <laughs> You're not changing yeah. everything in that time. Yeah. And you have to know it too, because if, uh, if you're not paying attention, I mean, there are, are sitting there literally a classroom. They set up chairs in front of a whiteboard. If you're not paying attention I mean, that, that was one of the, 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 the kind of neat things is that Shanahan not only will call plays in the second half that they practiced that week, he'll call plays that they ran back in 2017. So mm -hmm. if you're not on your you-know-what, um, you know, you're, it's, it's going to be obvious to everybody, and you're going to let everybody down. So it's very, very intense during that, that second half sort of classroom session. Yeah, I, I love that. Headline one more time here. Inside the 49ers halftime locker room, bananas, bathroom trips, and study time for Brock Purdy. I thought it was great. I I, I need to just go send that to the Seahawks PR staff and say, hey, man. <laughs> do it again, My time. Hey, yeah, come on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I, I did it, and they, they're still on a winning streak. So it wasn't a curse. It didn't lead to a loss. Nothing. Nothing happened. 
yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. That was, that was great, man. Thanks. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for bringing that up and for putting it out there um, when it, uh, when it came out and all the nice things that you just said. Oh yeah. No, that was, that was, that was fantastic. Great, great insight into the thing. That's what, and then, yeah, I'm gonna show it to the PR staff. Hey man, this team might win the Super Bowl. They let him in there. So, you know, <laughs> a, couple, a couple minutes, peanut butter, jelly sandwich. Just let me look around, you know, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna break nothing. Just let me look, look around. That's Mike all. would probably pull the pull the quarterback aside and give him some tips on his stance <laughs> and how he's gripping the ball and stuff like that. I was very discreet. I just kind of hung back. Knowing would, Mike, he would draw a play. Hey, first play. I, I 100% would draw a play. First play. Have DK do an out nut, like, man. Pete, 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 hold on. Hold on. I got this. I got this. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. But, yeah, I agree with, with Mike on that. It was a great piece. I enjoyed it. It reminded me of when I played football in high school of how our locker room – visit would be because our halftimes also were short but now it's amplified because this is the best of the best and they have a halftime too so just reading that and understanding oh it's pretty similar only thing is they're just really good at what they do and professionally they're doing it at the highest level so granted i didn't eat anything for halftime because i wasn't on the field but <laughs> <laughs> lovely piece man i enjoyed it as well all right thank you thank you so much all right thank you guys for tuning into the seahawks man to man podcast powered by the athletic Shout out to our guest, Matt Barrows. Might be our last guest of the uh, season uh, there. Ho hopefully not, uh, but yeah, you never know. Uh, Matt, anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to shout out? Podcast or anything before we get you out of here? Um, yeah, I got another uh, story. This one on Christian McCaffrey. We've been talking about um, 40 times today. Um, I was sort of uh, surprised that he really gets his physical gifts not so much from his dad, longtime NFL star Ed McCaffrey, but from his mom, who was a soccer player at Stanford, who once ran a, I think it was a 4840 mm. while she was pregnant. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, wow. that's uh, that's bragging rights. That's family bragging rights, because uh, none of her sons, she has four sons, none of her sons can say that they ran that fast while pregnant. So, um mm. He really gets a lot of his physical gifts from her. So it's a story about that, uh, that relationship and sort of his family background. Wow. I know that story is going to be fire because you, you paused for dramatic effect before you dropped that pregnancy part. And it was just perfect. <laughs> like, I, I already know you crafted that well. In the the dot, dot, dot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, that was, damn. I'm, 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 I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, no, when that dropped, I'm going to share that out uh too man so thank you matt for joining us i will see you down uh, at the game uh, on saturday uh we appreciate you guys for tuning in to the pod we'll catch you guys uh after the game uh sunday after the game most likely not saturday and anyway thank you guys for tuning in catch you later